Okay, right? Yes? Okay, good. Uh, just to follow a little bit up on Don being stirred about Dick coming up here to sing, We're, our choir is, um, we want you to be in it. We do. That would be nice if we had less out there and more up here, to tell you the truth. I, I can't sing, but I just love worshiping God in the midst of what, what we call as choir. So um, it is still open if you desire and want to sing uh, for the Lord. Mostly everybody tells me, well, I can't sing. Well, that's about 90% of us that really can't sing. And so we would love for you to just want to use your voice. Hide with us in the choir. Try on Tuesday to practice. And somehow God makes it wonderful on Sunday. So consider that. And men, consider that. Thank you, Don, for that. Okay, this morning's message. Um, going to actually have two parts. Maybe there would be better be called two callings that you and I have. Um, no one is exempt from these callings. Um, title of this morning's message is maybe a little oxymoron, but it's called Against and For. Against and For, and I believe that you'll see uh, the reason for that title as we go on, and we'll also understand your calling. Remember, I th- we've been on a theme where we're trying to uh, get the local body uh, in America to rise up and be the church. Uh, for years, we've just attended church, uh, but God wants you to rise up and be the church, actually be the church. All right, 2 Corinthians 6.17, as you turn there, let's go before the Lord, please, again, and ask for God's help. Father, again, we come to you, Lord, and and God, I am quite aware that without you, it can do nothing, God, nothing at all. Father, I just pray now that you would just use me, Lord God, to present this word. I pray that uh, things that I have not even thought of yet, you will impart into my being, Lord, so that I could speak on behalf of you. And God, that you would anoint these words, Lord Jesus. They would fall on fertile ground. They would... uh, Find root, Lord God, into every soul that's here, Lord, because you have a purpose for every person that is here. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give them ears to hear. Lord, I pray, God, that they would have a a real experience with the living God today. Father, we invite the Spirit of God, God the Holy Ghost. Lord, we invite you into this service. We pray that You would increase that tangible presence of Almighty God, that we can sense the holiness of God and the realness of God today. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, here we go. First part. Your first calling, which I believe was probably going to be obvious to most of you. And this is it. To the Christians. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. This is scripture that you should be well aware of, which God tells us as Christians living inside a, um, a fallen nation. He has 
uh, orders for us. This is not an option whether you like it or not. I think I might. God just simply says to you and I that you and I are to come out from among them. Meaning we don't act like the world, talk like the world, look like the world. We are to be different. We are to be peculiar. We are to be separated from them. Living with them and amongst them, but not of them. So God tells us, wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate. Okay, now this is a kind of a twofold promise. The promise is that I, God says that I will receive you. Because he says, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and then you and I can have communion. We'll, I'll, I'll be able to receive you, is what he's saying. Now, so it's simply, uh, it's not simply just trying to empty your heart of these worldly desires. That's just about impossible for us. Because there's a side of us that is still carnal and fleshly and loves those worldly desires. So God knows that, and, but he's, it's rather it's a, kind of like an opening of your heart wide to love God willingly and belong to Christ in spite of the carnal pull that the world has on you. You don't want to come in here and compromise and say you love God and then you love the world. That's just confusion to the lost and the dying. Total confusion. So God says, I need people totally separated from the world. Live like I want them to live. And then the world will see. So this is what this is calling right here. Separate means to limit, to separate. Look, here's the main one. To mark off from others by boundaries. No, I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. No, I used to look at all that stuff. I don't look at it anymore. I used to tell those jokes. I don't tell those jokes anymore. I used to drink like a fish. I don't drink like... Boundaries. Be ye separate, God says. This is a call from God. And you understand He's the boss. You do, right? This is not an option. You're not the high priest. You didn't pay the price. You can't call the shots. Your job is to simply, yes, Lord, unless you don't want to go to heaven. You want to go, right? What's the matter with you guys this morning? Okay, so it says to be separate. It's a call to purity and separation unto God. This is your calling. Come out means make a move from among them. Make a move. A man cannot accept reconciliation with God and live in sin. Now, America's trying to. In fact, America's trying to convince you that it's okay. Changing laws for it and all that, but God still says that's not right. He don't care what Supreme Court says. He don't care what lower court says, what circuit court says, or what you say. God simply says, you will have no reconciliation with me if you willingly walk in sin. So you have to figure that out, you and God, and His words. And if you can't figure it out, He's given you an entire book to tell you how He thinks and what He believes. And that you are simply to line up with it. You are. Now, Micah 2.10 tells us this, Arise ye and depart. God knows what's going to mess us up. So God uses Micah the prophet and says, Arise and depart, for this is not your rest. Listen to these words. Because it is polluted. It shall destroy you even with a sore destruction. So God is saying, you must come out. 
arise from that lifestyle, arise from living for the world and what the world gets into, and depart from it. Because God says, it's polluted and it will destroy you. You and I say, well, I don't think so. I don't know if I... You you understand, your opinion is not in this. You're talking about almighty God who all-knowing. And you're going to say, no, I don't think that's right, God. Come on. Just simply line up with the Word of God. God knows. He's the creator. He created you. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he says to you, if you go that way, destruction lies wait for you. And our little pee on brains and our little minute uh, understanding of God, we're going to say, no, I don't think so. As you fall off. And you can see thousands and thousands and thousands have fallen off the moral path, the godly path, every kind of path. They're just gone. Hosea tells us this about you and I. Hosea 7, 8 says, Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. You cannot mix yourself. You can't. You cannot mix. You cannot be like. You know, you take a little chocolate cocoa and put it in white milk and then mix it. God says, you can't do that. You cannot do this. So he tells it through Ephraim. He hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now listen to the word mixed means. You cannot mingle. You cannot be, it'll be confusing or it'll be confound. It will confound you, will confuse you, and you'll mingle. That's what happens. Anytime anybody starts missing church very noticeably, and we kind of try to track them down because a lot of times they don't want tracked down, and then we finally kind of catch up to them and we find out that they have let things in their lives that God told them to depart from. They've gone back and mixed it, and they're no longer the person they used to be. It's brought confusing. It's confounded them. A lot of times, they don't even recognize it or see it. The very scriptures they believed in, and you can open up in front of their eyes, and they still, it's like, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. And so God tells us, don't even mix or mingle, because it'll be confusing and compound and, and confound. And, and then this happens in verse 9, Hosea 7 says, Then strangers have devoured his strength. Used to be strong in God, committed to God, living for God. And then they get mingled into something in whatever way the enemy wants to use. A new job. Whatever it is, any kind of something that he can get you to mingle with situations or people or circumstances that you have no business being in. Because then he knows that strangers have devoured his strength and he knoweth it not. He doesn't even know. And this is what happens to us. So therefore God comes with his calling to the saints of God who want to live holy. He goes, you got to come out in order to do it. You can't mix holiness in the world. It's like mixing oil and water. As soon as you stop, you see the divide. You can beat it as hard as you want, as long as you want. Now you know, here it comes. Oil back to the surface and water, and there's the line. You can't mix it. Strangers have devoured your strength. And when a church or the church body or the American church tries to mix itself with the world... And then we lose our strength. And that's what's happened in the American church. 
We have no clout anymore, hardly any voice anymore to proclaim God's word anymore. It's been dummied down. It's been silly. In the meantime, our nation is getting further from God. So it's right there on the news for you to see that this is true. Ephraim is a cake unturned. The idea here is like half-baked cake. And who wants that? Who wants a half-baked cake? So in, but in this day, that was uh, bread that was often prepared as a cake that was cooked on both sides, something like um, a pancake today. And so they would cook just one side, according to Ephraim, and it would be totally black and burned, and the other side would be gooey. And that's good for nothing. I mean, who wants breakfast? Who wants to eat that? It's just awful. So we cannot present a cake uh, half-turned to the world to eat and say, this is the gospel, this is Christ. And the world's going, are you kidding me? I don't want that. That's what happens when we try to mix ourselves. And so first calling is you got to come out. you got to be peculiar. you got to be different according to the Word of God. I don't know if we seem to take that call of the Lord serious concerning the commandments of come out. Come out from them. So we want to look a little bit more. Ezra 9, 1 says this. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites, that's us now, have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abomination, even of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perzites, Jebusites, Amorites, Moabites, Egyptians, and the Amorites. They're, they're just like them. They're living just like the world. And he's coming back with this message to Ezra. They're, the church is polluted. They're acting just like the world. They get divorced. They look at porn. They get drunk. They run around. They're just like the world. When God is wanting to use you as a spiritual godly billboard for the lost and dying world. And so Ezra comes back with this report in verse 2 says, For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that thy holy seed hath mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yes, he goes, even the hand of the princes, rulers have been chief in their trespasses. Meaning the pastors, the overseers, the presbyters, they're all guilty. They're all doing this. They even go and marry people who have no claim, want nothing to do with God. You understand, I'm ordered of God, commanded of God, not to put light and darkness together and call it a marriage. I love God, I don't. Okay, want to get married? Sure, I'll marry you. No, God says, don't do that. Don't do it. Doesn't matter what the country says. It just doesn't. And we know that that's kind of becoming a topic now, an issue right now. But God says you cannot do it. You just can't. And you have to decide, are you going to obey man or are you going to obey God? God says don't mix or are you going to mix? God says come out or are you going to stay? This is your first calling. You've got to figure this stuff out. Now let's just jump to Deuteronomy 7. We're going to come back to Ezra. It says, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee. 
cast them out. Didn't subdue them and let them stay. Cast them out. The Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, all these people, seven nations greater and mightier than you, he said. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor shall show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For, here's why, look. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may be servants, to make, may serve other gods. There's a whole purpose and a reason which we're going to get to the second calling. This first one, God is saying you've got to stay pure and separate. Married a lot of people in my days, okay? So we got this maybe a whole new crop of whatever coming to get married. Don't bring me an unsaved dude. And don't tell me you're going to change them. I, I got too many gray hairs or hardly any, but they're kind of white, and I've been around that mountain. It doesn't work. The Word of God works, it just does. And your job is to just simply believe it. Because God says eventually that person you're married to will pull you away from God. Just will. Just will. Now back to Ezra 9, 3. Remember, he's coming back with this whole report. He says, oh my gosh, the people of God are just acting like the world. And look how it affects, and we don't pay much concern or attention to this but look what Ezra 9, 3, 4 says. When I heard this thing, I rent my garments and my mantle, plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard, sat down. A stone eider means utterly shocked. Ezra was utterly shocked, pale, white, shocked that you would mingle yourself. I wonder what he'd be like today. Because I don't know a whole lot of stuff we haven't mingled ourselves in, the American church. It's just true. I don't know. You're going to have to be a pretty strong Christian to suffer persecution. Right? I mean, they're going to have to see a difference. They're going to have to notice something. You're going to have to be a thorn in the ungodly flesh. Or else you'll just pass as one of them. When he heard this, he was totally shocked that the people of God had come back and had mixed themselves so much, so bad. And verse 4 says, Then, then he says, they were assembled unto me, everyone that trembled at the words, the God of Israel. Okay? These are people that believe in the word of God they tremble at the word of God when God says I'll cast you and throw you into hell they went oh my gosh oh no God I'm so sorry there's a whole huge society goes I don't believe that hell doesn't exist he's not talking to them he's talking to those that tremble at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgressions of those that had been carried away and I sat Utterly shocked until the evening sacrifice means I was stunned the way they lived. 
I don't know if we are today stunned or shocked. We live together without marriage. We have babies without marriages. We kind of do whatever. And the first calling, I'm telling you, God is saying you got to come out. You cannot live that way. God is not influenced by the world and the courts and all the various groups that are going on, running around through our nation. He is not phased by any of that. And he's expecting you and I, as people of God, to obey his commandment and come out of them and live godly. Best as you know, according to the word of God. Okay? That's your first part. You've got to come out. You must come out. Okay, now I got a little picture for you that's going to hopefully make things a little more clearer. Right? Saw that on a magazine. I thought, oh my goodness. That is exactly, I wonder if this works. Here's us. That's us now. This is the entire world and all the anti-Christianity that is now in our nation. You can take any religion you want into the schools except this one. You can blaspheme, you can pray, you can do whatever you want, have seances, whatever, except this group. Okay? So this here is the, the call to live is against the world. All right? Come out. As people get saved, you've got to make your way out. This is what it is, but you've got to come. From how deep you are, you've got to come out. That's your first calling. But here's the second calling, which we forget. Against the world, absolutely. But for the world. You're coming out against it, but you're coming out also for it. Are you understanding that? You've got to understand. The church has forgot that second part. They, they're mixing this. They hardly, there's hardly any border anymore. There's going to be a small remnant, and I want to be in that. And I know the chicken I am, I want to be right in there. So I got about eight people to say, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go over there. Did they keep me back and remind me? Because okay, I'm no John Wayne or whoever the next hero is that you guys watch on TV. So here we are. The world now is against us. Laws are now being passed against us. More are coming and it'll get worse. So just this is the way it is. Come out. So your call is simply this magazine. I almost fell off my chair in my office when I saw it. Because the call to live against that, but for the world. This is where you are. You're the army. You're the people of God that is to reach the lost. You're the ones that have connections with these various people. However minute they are, way over here at Good Sam, and over here the truck driver, and over there the person you buy your beef off of. Whatever it is, there they are. And you're going to live godly. And you're going to say, no, I don't live that way. But let me tell you something. For the world. You're going to live uh, the call for them. To bring them, to tug on them and pull them over. And the church hasn't done that in eons. I mean, people don't talk about salvations anymore. And Christianity, I told you, is increasing everywhere. Even though the greater numbers are here 
all in China and Vietnam and North Korea. Christians are living. Iran, Iraq, they're coming. They're coming all over the place. And America, they're going this way. They're leaving. Pastors are quitting like crazy every week. And we're missing the call of God. Because you are to live separate, but you're also called to live for the world. And you have to figure out where you are right now. See, it's not zip up the cave, go way back in the outer den, and try to hang in there till the rapture comes. That's not living for the world. It's the call to live against Come out and be separate. And then there's the call to live for the world. Against it and for it. Number 1646 says this. Can you do one screen? With scripture? Yes? No? Maybe? Yes? Okay. Number 1646 says, And Moses said to Aaron, Now look, bad stuff was happening just like now. A whole bunch of stuff. Aaron is the high priest, and he's taking a censer of fragrance, a, that aroma, which is the prayers of the saints. It's a type of the prayers of people praying. And so he's, Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer, put fire therein from off the altar, put on incense, go quickly. He didn't say when you get a chance and if you can come around, come by Saturday, can you? He says, go quickly unto the congregation, make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. And the plague has begun in our nation. Verse 47. So Aaron took as Moses' commandment, ran into the midst of the congregation, and behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the, for the people. So this, this is your job living for the world. And Moses barks out the command like maybe we're doing it today. And he says, do it now and run. Run, because people are dying. That's you. That's a command to you. See, it, it almost seems like it's so foreign anymore to the American church when you try to stir the people to do something's like I'm talking in a different language. Because for eons, and I've been saved 40 years, for eons we just sat in our spiritual hammocks eating scriptural pie. Feed me more and not doing anything. Just a little few would do it. What's that old dumb saying? Uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work 100% of the time. Where'd that come from? That come from us swinging in hammocks. Someone came up with that saying as we became fat spiritually, doing nothing. Can't even touch your toes spiritually anymore. Because God has called us not to just sit and swing, but to do a work for Him. You're called to come out against the world and also for it. To live godly to just somebody possibly will come out of that masses to the light. Okay. And here's why. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You and I 
You and me are a chosen generation. We've been chosen for this. You and I are a royal priesthood. Not just pastor. You and I, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you and I should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, you're not here to just try to hang on and buy some de- get a, a cave with dried bananas. You're to go in and try to win these people to the Lord and show them the marvelous light, even though they'll hate you. Look, here, look, Scripture, you are chosen. If you're a real, true believer, God chose you to do that. Chose you to live in this dispensation right now, this age, with with all that's going on. And God's not up there going, oops, I didn't mean him to be alive during now. He knew you were going to be alive now. None of us can do this on our own. In our own strength, in our own ability. We can't. But you've got to see that God is calling us to do it. And when he ran out, the scripture, where was I with... I forget where it is. This, yes, thank you. This is what he did. This is what you and I are to do. This is what this group is doing right here. And he stood with the censer and the fragrance going up, which is the prayer of the saints, crying out to God to stop the plague of sin, stop the death and the carnage of people being lost and going to hell. And so they're praying, God, have mercy, use me, God, do something. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stopped. And he ran quickly. What if you were one of these people here and had about five five minutes left to live? And you're supposed to be getting the fire and running, and you're just like, mm, you know, I'm kind of busy today. i got to go bibby football, bibby ping pong, bibby baseball, busy soccer, bibby something. Right? Come on, you know, it's true. We're into everything. And it's a deception and a trick from the enemy to keep you from doing your calling, which is right here. I mean, it's got to be obvious America is no longer the America that we were born into and grew up into. At least not my time. No longer. And we were just talking about it. We were back praying the other day, and someone mentioned uh, Leave it to Beaver. You can still find it on TV, the wholesome Leave it to Beaver show. And I think I even mentioned to you they had a big stop of one of the shows and clipped out the whole section because when they were following Beaver, he walked past the, the bathroom, the door was open, and they saw into the bathroom. They said, oh, we can't have that, and they clipped it out to what you see on TV now. That's how far we have fallen as a nation. Now look, you and I are called to be the salt and the light so that a nation doesn't fall that far. 
But we have. We have fallen horrible. And it's your job to bring these people hope. Hope. I mean, look, isn't it kind of yucky living now when everything wholesome is looked at and everything godly is laughed at and you know better? Well, what about the whole gang here that doesn't know better? What hope do they have? What encouragement are they going to get? When you're not even allowed to say, Merry Christmas. It's that time of year. No, it isn't anymore. I mean, you can't even have those good feelings. Because, look, I'm telling you, you might, but this group knows nothing about that. Unless you do your job and you bring them hope. Unless you come out from among them and then turn around and fight for them. You have to stand between the living and the dead and hope that the plague is stopped. You belong between the living and the dead. That's your job. Even the Lord himself Beaten to a pulp, they said it didn't even look like a human being, stripped naked, hanging on the cross, dying, going. (laughs) God himself stripped naked. And what's he say? Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. That's this group. That was his response to them. He came to live against the world and for it. And he's our prime example. They don't have this last day understanding that you do. They didn't understand who and what they were crucifying. Yet God himself said, forgive them. And then God comes along and chooses you and I. To be his high priest, his peculiar royal priesthood. Romans 15, 4 says this. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And that's what you have to give to these people, is hope. There's no hope, no nothing out here. Nothing but darkness, and the Bible says gross darkness. And some will push through these crowds and mockings and laughing and all that kind of ridiculous stuff we go through to make it. If you give them hope. Hope simply means to cherish a desire with anticipation. means trust. Look, and the enemy has been destroying hope. Folks are without hope. That's why they freak out and shoot everything around, not even knowing who they're shooting. Hopeless, despair, gross darkness. Because no one is living for them. There's no one with the censor praying and battling. For the blind and the wicked that don't see and don't understand. Like it used to be you. You were blind and wretched. And didn't have a clue. Look at 
Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is a job of the Holy Ghost. He's just looking for vessels or tools to use. You can't do this. Like the boy at the shoebox, who can go back, walk in that prison to pray for the guy who murdered his parents? No one can do that in the natural. Something had to happen. Something supernatural had to take place for him to do that. This is a supernatural circle. This is a hopeless circle. Joel says this in 3.16, The Lord will be the hope of his people. That's what you've got to express. Your first calling is certainly to come out. You can't be over here and say, let me tell you about Jesus and doing, cussing and drinking and looking at porn and running around and whatever. It's not going to work. It's not working. The church has tried to conform to the world. And they just made a bigger mess. That word hope in Joel 3.16 means one who or that which gives hope, furnishes ground. You understand what that means? In other words, bedrock, footing. When you give hope, you give somebody footing. You're furnishing ground, a foundation, something to stand on, a promise, a desired good. I'm going to skip a few, Michael. I'm going to go down to 2 Corinthians 3, 2. Okay, this is starting to wind it up, but listen, listen to this. You've got to not miss this. This next few verses I give you. You are our epistles written in our hearts. You are the open Bible. Look, you know it's true. These folks ain't going to come here. You're not going to come to church because we have a spotlight on a little lamb and a, a lion out there. You're not going to come here because our name's catchy. They're not going to come. Only way they're going to come to here is by you being this. Opened and written in your hearts. This. Because they'll read you. They have to work by you. Whether they like you or not is immaterial. Some of them are your boss, and some of you are their boss. So God says this, you are, are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but in fleshly tablets of the heart. This is why you've got to be separate. You can't say, yeah, that's okay, no, that's okay, and yeah, sure, go ahead, and yeah, this is fine, God don't care about that, and he does. You're condemning them. You've got to come out to be that example and say, man, I was like that too. I was hooked on that, I couldn't stop either. 
written on your hearts. You are to be a walking testimony. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how many laws they make, you are to be that walking testimony for their sake, even though they hate you at this moment. You ever cut down a tree that just bugs you or grows crooked or seems to be dying somewhere in your yard? Cut the thing down and walk away and Next spring, there's that dumb little shoot coming up. Well, Job 14, 7 says, For there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof, it will not cease. It keeps coming back. You see, they can jump up and down on hope and Christ and the gospel and the good news all they want. They can pour poison. They can pour this, spray it with that. It's still going to come back. So that these have hope, even though they're blind and can't see it, and they're against you at the moment. So Job was talking about a tree. He observed in trees and uh, sort of a resurrection, because it looks absolutely dead. It looks dead right now in our nation. It looks like there's no hope. Even with the election that seemed to swing, maybe the majority of the way Christians want, the majority of the reaction is, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Because we've been promised this and promised that, and it's just no hope with man. <coughs> now look, just like with Noah, it is now. Here's the part you must not get. Must not forget. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. That's what's going on now. There's a small group that's kind of wondering, ooh, man, it's getting close. God's going to come back any day. But the majority, the masses, they're going right past us still. They're not saying, you got to get in. Open up the door. I want to come in. They're not. And God says, just as in the day. God called Noah to do something that was way beyond him. God called Noah to do something supernatural. Go back to that time. Never, not a drop of rain. Didn't know what rain meant. And Noah stands up and says, God has called me to build an ark. A huge ship right here on dry ground. How ridiculous. How foolish. How much he must have received mocking and cursing and laughter for years. It was humanly impossible for him to do this. What's he going to do? Go out there. Come on, little leopard, leopard, leopard. Here, leopard, leopard. Here, rhino, rhino, rhino. It's supernatural just to build this huge monstrosity and for it to work. For it to float because it's going to rain whatever rain is. 
having no clue how to do it. God called them. You and I can now look back and see that he accomplished and he did it. But do you understand? It's just like now. God's calling you to build an ark. You've never built one before. For the saving of these souls. Even as they walk by and mock and laugh, goody two-shoes, you won't drink, everybody can drink, come on, have a drink. Whatever else they say. Something supernatural happened with Noah and those animals and the building of this ark. Something supernatural happened when the first rain... Never happened before. Here's you and I. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God is going to supernaturally pour out his spirit on us to be able to handle this and do this. Without the Spirit of God, I'm pushing you over. Get out of my way. With the Spirit of God, I will stand with you. Look, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. This also is supernatural. And that's what's going to happen to you who say, okay, God, I'm in. Even with shaky, knocking knees, I'm in, God. Gifts will be given by God to be an ark to the lost that will make their way to come to the ark that you provide. God will do it to a dying world. Look, something happens when God gets in the midst. You and I, I don't care how big and bad you are, you're, you cannot handle this. You can't handle that. You'll cave, you'll run. Remember when they crucified Christ? Tomb, and they were gone. They were gone. But in these last days, as it mounts up against the people of God, all hope is gone. God's calling out his remnant to stand against the world. No, we will not live that way. No, we will not bow to that law. No, we will not marry those people. And then for the world. Call to live for the world. Because Christ loves you. Christ has a better life for you. Christ has deliverance for you. Christ can heal you. You're against and you're for. Let's stand. Michael or Patrick, can you kill the lights, please? This video was just given to me last night. It's absolutely awesome. Maybe you've seen it. I've never saw it before. It's again by that great choir down south somewhere. And it's called Something Happens. Now, this is not only 
to produce worship, but it's to produce you to move, to come to the altar and say, God, I want to be used by you. God, I don't have courage. I don't have strength. I don't know the word of God that well. Lord, I'm fearful. I don't take great big chances. But God, if you so desire, I'll be in that group. And God does. You have been chosen. Royal priesthood. As this song plays, don't get caught up so much in the song you don't move. Listen to the Spirit of God. Let the song play. Something happens. Turn it up.